Hey, 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 and welcome to the We've Got This podcast. Whether you've been a believer all your life or you're hearing about it for the first time today, you belong here. We've Got This is a space where we can have real, open, and sincere conversations about what this journey is like. I'm sure you know that navigating today's world, from our families and friendships to dating and careers, comes with a whole new set of hardships. And that's no different from a faith-based perspective. There's the joys, the pains, the sacrifices, but ultimately, the peace found in doing life this way. It's not easy, but with him, we've got this. I'm your host, Lisa, and let's get into it. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to the We've Got This podcast. Oh my gosh, it is welcome back, which means I've actually come back and made another episode. God is good. Today, we're doing things a little bit differently because there is also a visual component for the first time. So people who are watching on YouTube, I'm not going to look at you the whole time because I'm not used to that. And so if you're watching, hi, hello, thank you for coming and thank you for joining me and thank you that you've listened and clicked to this word so if you're familiar with the episode sandwich you know that the first part is a check-in i asked you guys over on instagram at we've got this underscore podcast to rate your week out of 10 this past week and why you would rate it that way and so i'm going to go through some of the responses and of course anything that you guys send over to the instagram are completely anonymous unless you say otherwise So if you don't want it to be anonymous, it's not going to be anonymous. But if you want it to be anonymous, it's going to be anonymous. So do not worry about that. One of you guys said nine. It's my birthday week. And happy birthday to you and happy birthday to all the December babies, guys. I love my December babies. You guys also have always have like such nice, positive, well, majority of you have nice, positive energy. Another one of you guys rated your week eight, saying December away from home can get lonely in general, but I'm actually really happy right now hear that this december i'm also not going back home and it's it's different it's different i'll tell you that much it's different i'm just like at first when i made the decision i was like oh yeah i could totally do it like some of my friends are also staying so i'm like it's not gonna be that bad but the closer we inch and the more people start flying the more instagram stories you're seeing of people back home like and living life i'm like why did I make this decision? Was this even? Does this even make sense? I wish I could go back, but I love that you're happy right now because I'm. Uh, I was feeling the same way. That's a really, that's a really good thing. We thank God for happiness still, regardless of not being back home at this time. And the last one I'm gonna read, but thank you. You guys sent more responses, and I really appreciate it. Eight. Finished two classes. Quality time with friends. Good food. Tired of schoolwork though. That's the one. See. I finished school. I had my last class of the year on Friday and I was so, so relieved. I'm like, oh, God is good. I cannot sleep and just focus on other things. But yeah, thank you guys so much for your responses. If you want to participate next week, don't forget to head over to Instagram at we've got this underscore podcast. Follow it. And yeah, you'll just be seeing interact with the stories whenever I ask these sorts of questions so that you can also participate in these things. And I just wanted to say thank you so, 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 so much for the responses to the first episode of the podcast. Y'all just make this thing so much easier and more exciting in this process. Of course, I wasn't sure how anyone was going to react to that first episode. If you haven't listened to it, of course, listen to it after this. 
and check it out on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. Like, you guys have no idea how happy it makes me to hear about the impact that God has been able to have on you through the podcast episode and just the way you've been able to reflect and how it's made you guys feel. So, of course, please, anytime you listen to it, please, please, please let me know how it is. I love to hear. And so because of that, my week would have been a 15 out of 10 amazing i'm really grateful for that but that that virus that was in the air came and hijacked my nose and my throat and i was gone and so well it meant that i had to record like way later because my voice was sounding like somebody had put a machine inside there and was just uh, the whole time so i'm gonna give this week an eight as well there's just a lot of christmas parties community group you know just spending time with good people that just enrich your heart and yeah Let's get into this week's topic, which is unpacking religious trauma. What I mean by unpacking religious trauma and religious trauma in general is, okay, so trauma can be defined as something that is like a frightening or distressing event that happens in our lives, right? And it can be difficult to cope with, hence the name trauma, because it causes us to feel a certain type of way. And in the context of religion and religious trauma, uh, this is trauma that is related to religious institutions, what happens there, maybe the people there, the kind of events, the way the place is set up. When I say trauma or traumatic, I don't mean this in a light manner. Like I'm not saying this as like a haha word because these stressful situations and instances can lead you to either leave, never want to join or turn away completely from God. And that's why I say that it is traumatic. It's literally causing a rift in between you and your relationship with God, which is not a good thing. And so we'll talk about the church as an institution. We'll talk about the leaders. And then obviously we will talk about the people, me and you, and our influence in this thing and our mistakes in this thing. What is the church and what is the church in biblical terms, right? And so the church is described as the body of Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, um, 12 to 13, it says, The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So we are meant to be one right? Regardless of where we came from and our different experiences, once we made the decision and accepted, you know, Jesus into our lives to go on this journey and walk with God and through the process of salvation, we all became baptized in the spirit. Now, how many of y'all know that we are humans, right? We are all humans and what is part of the human experience is natural instincts and mistakes and the things that happen. Why I emphasize the humanness in all of this is because we can sometimes forget that when we decided to take this journey and we decided to embark on this journey, we made the decision to take on the spirit and forfeit the flesh, right? And when we forfeit the flesh, we forfeit the instincts that come with the flesh. What we're naturally born with, we need to see it for what it is and push it to the side because that's not the way that we want to continue living our lives and living in this world. Another really good description um, of the church is in Ephesians, Ephesians 2. It's in 19 to 22. It says, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, 
Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. This means that instinct that we have to categorize and decide where people belong no longer applies in this case, right? Because with Jesus Christ as the foundation, we can no longer operate in the way that we're used to. We, we don't decide and we get we don't get to decide who belongs and who doesn't belong, right? We don't get to dictate who can enter and who can who cannot enter based off of their appearance. When Jesus was performing miracles and speaking to the multitudes at the Sea of Galilee, this is a very good example of this. So he's performing miracles at the Sea of Galilee and then he goes to the other side. And so people actually get in boats to go and continue to hear what Jesus has to say. In John 6, 37, he says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. I'm just going to repeat that last part again, right? And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. If Jesus is not casting out these people and Jesus is not telling people to turn around and go based off of their appearance and based off of their decisions, who are we to now come and tell other people to turn around and go? It's sad to see that it, it is actually a blessing to have a friendly church because that should be the standard, right? The church that I go to, I love it so much. It's very friendly and accepting church and that should be the case for most churches. There shouldn't be discrimination based off of this person has too many tattoos or this person is dressed in a certain type of way, they should not enter the house of the Lord. Now I understand that with once you give somebody the understanding of how they should appear in the house of the Lord, but if they're coming in and they're seeking God in the first place, they shouldn't be cast out for this reason, you know? There's a way where okay, you let them in you talk to them about this and you talk to them about Jesus, you let them, you know, give them the opportunity to get to know God. And then afterwards, you can now start explaining. Now, as a member of the church and as a member of the body of Christ, this is how that you should, you know, come dress to church is how you should respect God. But at the onset, it can be something that makes people want to go away because you're not portraying the trait of welcomeness and the trait of acceptance that Jesus does. So now we've talked about the church and how the church is supposed to be. Now we're going to talk about leaders. And by leaders, I mean not just pastors, not just the people who lead the congregation. It could be a youth leader, team leader, for example, someone who's leading praise and worship or someone who's leading kids ministry or someone who's leading a Bible study group that's also a leader in the church. Peter describes this very well. He was one of the first disciples chosen by Jesus. So in 1 Peter 5, verse 2 to 3, it says, Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. You know the phrase, lead by example? Yeah, that's exactly what leaders in the church are supposed to be doing. But instead, unfortunately, what we do sometimes get is leaders who are judgmental leaders who are not as honest, leaders who are in it for material gain or to take advantage over vulnerable people, right? And we ask ourselves like, okay, why is this the case? Clearly the Bible tells us times and times again, and there's many examples of how leaders should behave in the church. But again, human, the humanness of this, it is human instinct to self-seek and to preserve and to take and to ensure that what is yours is protected, right? And unfortunately what can come over that if you're not careful is greed. Once you start to taste power a little bit, it can start to get to your head. Once you start to get taste money, it can start to get to your head. And I think that's what sometimes happens with these unfaithful leaders. A good thing is that Peter also warns us about 
these types of leaders and these types of prophets. And so in Second Peter 2, chapter 2, he says, But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of the truth will be slandered. Let's break the word heresies down for a second, right? Heresy, in this case, is something that is contrary to what is written, right? To what the text says. I love that this word is used because that's the easiest way actually to be able to tell when someone is actually leading and leading because they're called to lead or if they have other intentions with it, right? And if their teaching is biblical or not. Like if someone says something and then the conclusion just doesn't make sense, it doesn't align with what the Bible says and also doesn't align with something that sounds like what God would say, then that's when now you start to have to like, you know, the alarm bells should start to ring at that point. Further in verse three, it goes on and it says, in their greed, they will make up clever lies to get a hold of your money. It actually says this, right? In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money, but God condemned them long ago and their destruction will not be delayed. A good example of this, right, is pastors who, this unfortunately happens a lot um, back home, and this is pastors who curse people who don't give offering. So, offering. Should we tithe as believers? 100%. We're told to give a percentage of our earnings to the Lord, 100%, and the specifically tithing is 10% of your earnings. So this means 10% of your income if you work, or 10% of your pocket money if you are a student and you get money from your parents or money from your caretaker, money from your garden. 10% of that isn't yours. 10% of that should be going back to God through the church. But when you start cursing people, right, and or wishing ill among people for not doing this and for not tithing, there's a problem, right? And there's a big problem because why is it that your response instead of praying that God would change people's hearts would be to curse them? That's not biblical. You should not be cursing people at all whatsoever, especially as a leader. That is so immoral and that's so wrong. And that's why if we go back to this, it says in their greed. So these actions that end up coming, it ends up showing you what their true intentions were. They're here for the money. They're not here for the impact that they're to have on your journey as leaders. They're here to get the money out of you, right? So in their greed, what do they start doing? They start cursing you. A legitimate leader, somebody who is actually here and to disciple you in your walk with God would not go on ahead and curse you. That doesn't even make any sense. And these are the type of things where I'm saying their actions do their actions follow what is written in the text, do their words follow what is written in the text. Is the conclusions that they're coming to, the things that they're saying, does it align with what the Bible says? If not, then yo, hello, you should really question what is the intention of this leader. Another example is the ones that tell you that if you want a specific prayer to come to pass, then you have to give them a certain amount right? And only then, when you give them X amount, will your prayer come to pass. As if they're God who decides the prayers that get answered and don't get answered. And so some of these things, they might not be as clear, but it is important to be very aware of these things so that we can also remove ourselves from potential situations of harm and from people potentially taking advantage of us. Because at the end of the day, we are people. Yes, we are trying to walk in the light. And yes, we are trying to walk according to what the Bible says and according to 
what God says and according to what God has planned for our lives. But unfortunately, there are people who have seen that this is a way to take advantage of people. And that's the other thing that is so important to talk about, which is the vulnerability in all of this and the vulnerability in just being a member of the church and being in church, right? At church, we address spiritual things. We address things that are away from the flesh, that are away from the physical human experience, right? We're talking about the spiritual experience now. And and we're talking about a God who can do exceedingly abundantly and above all that we desire. In such situations, we get very vulnerable, you know, when we start to open up and open our hearts and we start to talk about spiritual things. It's a vulnerable space. And unfortunately, people have realized that here is a place with a bunch of vulnerable people. Let me see who I can take advantage of. And that's why I'm saying we need to be aware. We need to know. And I'm not saying this to scare anybody. I'm not saying when you go to church, be on guard. I'm just saying that if you notice certain things and deep down in your spirit, you're like, this doesn't make sense. This isn't in line. I don't think this is what how we're supposed to do things i don't think this is how god wants us to do things then you need to question and it's okay to question it will even help you be more comfortable and be more open if you know what someone's intentions are versus not knowing you can see when a leader has a heart of jesus you can see it you know and especially which we will go on to discuss in the next segment the characteristics and the traits that jesus used to portray you can see it in somebody right and you can see when somebody is walking in the light and you can see when somebody is lying about walking in the light that's how unfortunately certain things happen you know even vulnerability when we talk vulnerability i'm talking about leaders in the church that are male that know that they're vulnerable women in the church right and so they come to you on a let me pray for you let me do this let me do that allowing people to pray for you is a good thing but now when you start suggesting things like okay let us meet up in a different location outside of the church cool where there are no people in my house for example or in my house when my wife is not there in areas and in ways that people that allow for what will unfortunately be ungodly things to take place, we need to be careful of that, you know, and we need to be on guard about such things where we're meeting people outside of church, certain leaders, what they're suggesting us to do, you know, and in this way, we avoid these situations that could end up being traumatic, you know, because of how much trust we put in the person because we met them in a place where technically all the people we should meet, we can trust, but humans and the ability to take advantage of things is crazy doesn't mean that you cannot find the most amazing people at church but it also means that just be careful it's good to be careful you know use your wisdom use your discernment that god gave you so we've talked about the church we've talked about the leaders and now finally we're gonna talk about the church goers <laughs> you and i Right? And so now, remember in the beginning when I talked about how the moment when we accepted God as our savior, we were all baptized in the spirit, became one in the spirit. Remember when I was talking about that? So we're called to embody certain characteristics, which are the fruits of the spirit. So we're not perfect. Obviously, believers are not perfect, but we should still do our best to embody these traits. In the last episode, I spoke about Paul, who was an appointed apostle, right? And he wrote a letter to the believers in Ephesus, and that's what we talked about. We even talked about, we mentioned another verse from those letters earlier on. So he talks about these characteristics in a different letter that was written to believers in Galatia. In Galatians 5, right, verses 22, he details these things and he says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Count them with me. Love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's nine. 
there's no law against these things. So because we all have the Holy Spirit and we're all baptized in the Spirit, you're supposed to be able to identify a believer by spotting these characteristics in them. But, but, and I'm not saying this directly, I'm not trying to like attack anybody because I know me myself as a believer, like it's not easy to embody all of these things, right? Why is it that we, there's clearly a way we're supposed to be behaving and it's not being portrayed out there, right? And so part of it is that people don't know I wouldn't say people don't necessarily know, but people sometimes forget that when you decide to walk with God, it doesn't start and finish at the service that you go to on Saturday or Sunday, right? It's not just, okay, I've gone, now this, I worshipped, the pastor said A, B, and C, I wrote them down or I kept them in my brain, I highlighted the verses in the Bible app, and then I disappear and I go on about my life. No. And that's how these problems are created in the first place. We forget that this is a 24-7 thing that we are supposed to be embodying these things, that we are supposed to be walking in the light, right? So one, there's the people who forget that it ends there. And then there's also the people who do things for, and who go to church and go to these places for the aesthetic of it. And for other people to see that they were in church, but not for actually going and for actually what it's going to do in their walk with God. They go, they post on us, today I went to church, everybody see, look, the worship song, this is what we sang. I'm such a good believer, I'm doing things the right way, and once everything is done, their lives are clearly run in a different kind of way. And so I'm not saying there's anything wrong with obviously posting that you're going to church, it's not a bad thing. I do it from time to time as well, but what they're posting versus how they actually live their lives and how their character and how their personality is isn't actually resembling what it is supposed to resemble and it isn't actually resembling the character of somebody who is a believer. These people tend to be mean, they're condescending, they look down upon other people, they look down upon you and again this is where all the humanness comes in where you start to think okay I'm better than all these other people because I go to church and they don't and that's not how this is supposed to go. When Paul says kindness, he says goodness, when he says gentleness, when he says patience and he says love and he says joy and he says peace, he didn't say all of these things just to save them for jokes and for us to read it and close the Bible. We are actually meant to live in this kind of way. Hence why you get people who are just not there for the right reasons, you know? And one thing we often forget is the most important fruit. And you'd be wondering what there's a fruit that is the most important. Yes, there is a fruit that is the most important. I'm gonna tell you right now. And Jesus himself says this, right? The Pharisees asked him in Matthew 22, verse 36, they say, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law, right? And so they're trying to pick his brain. They're trying to be like, ooh, we're trying to make you stumble. And they're trying to catch him in his words, you know. And Jesus said to them in verse 37, he says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So the first, let's go through that. First commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. In verse 39, the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you wouldn't look down upon or look condescending towards yourself or treat yourself in a certain type of way, why would you then turn around and do this to others if you're not supposed to walk in that way? And that's what I'm saying. I think people forget that this is actually what we're called to do. We are called to lead and to walk in love. That is the most important one. That's what unifies us. That's what unifies the church. That's what unifies believers. And that's what unifies everything. That is literally the most important thing. We are to lead with love. There's also the aspect of loving yourself, 
right? If you do not love yourself in a certain type of way and you do not see yourself as worthy of these things, then unfortunately, it literally says that you're probably going to go on to love people in that same way, right? You're probably going to go on to treat other people in a certain type of way. It's all going to be dependent on whether you love yourself. So you also need to, you know, introspection and work on that as well. And um, where the confusion comes in, which is what I touched on a little bit before, is whether people are fully convinced in what they're believing, right? Whether you're a believer for the reason of seeking a relationship with God, walking with him and making the decision to walk with him for the rest of your life, or if you just like the perception and what a little bit of social clout, especially in the countries where religion is more glorified that comes with going to church in the generations where it looks better when you are somebody who goes to church and are somebody who is religious right there's a very interesting point that john the evangelist not the same as john of the 12 brings up in first john 4 20 he says if someone says i love god but hates a fellow believer that person is a liar for if we don't love people we can see how can we love god whom we cannot see one it says that person is a liar two if we don't love people whom we can see how can we love god whom we cannot see right it's a very simple statement you know and it reminds us that we need to be for real with this thing and when you identify yourself as a believer and you identify yourself as a lover of god then you need to actually start to you know operate from how it is written that you should behave and so here are some of the things for example like when you operate from a place of love right you shouldn't see injustice and be okay with it you shouldn't see partiality and be okay with it you shouldn't see harm being done to other people and be okay with it you shouldn't see people suffering and be okay with it right when you're operating from a place of love and leading from a place of love there's a completely different perspective that you should be walking in and you should be operating in right and that is very important to keep in mind and that's why i think it is unfortunate that there is this association of meanness with this thing and I'm not trying to come in and defend mean Christians it's completely wrong I'm actually trying to show you that what they're doing is not biblical which is why you shouldn't believe that this is what you know we're being taught to do we're not being taught to be unfriendly churches we're not being taught to be unfaithful leaders we're not being taught to be mean Christians we're being taught to be different things but we have come in and not actually conceptualized not actually understood what it is that we're called to do and what it, and how it is that we're called to behave at the end of the day as a believer your character should draw people to god right so if it's doing the opposite then there is a problem there is an issue there is something wrong between what you portray and what you believe in what you read and what you how you actually behave and this reminds me of an exercise that we did in community group this past week shout out to my community group members if you're watching you guys are amazing so we sat in a group and it was part of the introduction and we had to say a trait of jesus that one of our neighbors like the person sitting next to us had represented right so for example if the trait was being a friend, being a peaceful person, being a joyful person, and being a loving person. Why I'm bringing that up is this is a clear example of how it is supposed to be. You should be able to see these traits in fellow believers and in a believer that they exude traits that Jesus used to exude when he walked on this earth. It shouldn't be that somebody claims to hold God so high and mighty and so close to their heart, but is behaving in a completely different way. wrap this up when it comes to religious trauma right there's a discrepancy between how people are supposed to behave and how people actually behave because we do things and we have our natural instincts and we have our natural way of doing stuff right but it's not an excuse and knowing this you can actually protect yourself from these people right and in knowing these things and in knowing 
how people are supposed to behave and how they're actually behaving, you're able to have a checklist of, okay, am I in the right spaces? Am I in the right things? Am I even doing the right thing as a believer when you're reflecting? Is my life reflecting this spiritual walk that I'm having? That is the end of this episode. If you stuck to the end of this, I'm very happy that you did. So I like to end these with a challenge. And this week, I will challenge you guys to examine yourself and examine yourself as a believer. Is what you do on your knees evident in your day-to-day life? Can somebody spot you from the crowd and be like, that person operating kind of differently. That person, I don't wanna know like what's going on in their life. You know, can someone, does someone feel that type of way? Or is someone like, yeah, whatever that person is doing, I don't want any part of it because I don't wanna be near it, right? And yeah, that is the end of the episode. Follow to be notified for whether there's a new episode wherever you're listening from, whether it's YouTube, kindly subscribe. And remember that the conversations don't end here. We have daily interactions and content over on Instagram at we've got this underscore podcast. So DM your questions or dilemmas. Join the space and join the community over there. And I will catch you guys next week. Have a amazing- week. Bye-bye.